When this old world starts a getting me down And people are just too much for me to face I'll climb way up to the top of the stair And all my cares just drift right into space Well, hello again. It's Mark Baber with episode eight of Begging to Differ. And this one is episode two of The Further Journey, or we'll just call it The Further Journey Session Two. If you listen to episode seven, you know it was sort of a hour-long introduction to this whole concept or metaphor of uh, life as a further journey. And uh, I actually, as it turns out, had about three pages of notes that I chose not to get to. Pardon me, still uh, coughing a little bit, but uh, chose not to get to in the last session because it would have made it way too long. But I wanted to, in this session, begin maybe just uh, given what I think are a few characteristics of what we would describe as a further journey. And obviously, to add the full context of what I mean and I'm thinking by the further journey, you'll have to play me the honor of listening to episode seven, which is an introduction but at base, it's just it's just uh, a way to describe that sense that we all have, I think, of seeking for and searching for and being in quest of uh, something more. And um, hopefully that's kind of gets at the heart somewhat of what is meant by the further journey. Uh Pretty interesting to me that just uh, over two weeks ago, my wife Janie and I returned from a real far journey, a further journey, uh, almost 30,000 miles in total to uh, South Africa and back. We happened to have lived in South Africa for four years, back 1988 to 92, and developed some amazing friendships when we lived there those four years, some of which have been nurtured through the years by means of um, mail, and uh, I'm talking about the old-fashioned snail mail, and then email, of course, has been on the scene for a long time, and and uh, social media is one great purpose of social media, obviously, is uh, you can be connected pretty cheaply from a financial standpoint with people you love on all over the world, and that's certainly enhanced the nurturing of some relationships with with some really good people. And we got a chance then, literally and physically, to go back over to South Africa recently. And my, what a wonderful trip we had, uh, reconnecting with friends. We got off the airport in Cape Town, South Africa, about midnight and saw a couple that we hadn't seen in almost 20 years. And, I mean, it was like... 
five seconds uh, if, or less from the moment we met eyes and hugged one another. It's like we were right where we've always been in our relationship. It's amazing how time and distance, uh, when there is a real relationship with people, time and distance does not uh, end the relationship. That's certainly the case with this couple, Dudley and Karen Anderson. It's been a wonderful week with them in Cape Town. We, uh, Dudley and Janie and I climbed Table Mountain about eight hours after we'd gotten into the country, which is a long, long story about a long, long four-and-a-half-hour hike up one of the wonders of the world. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily listed as one of the uh, geographic wonders of the world, but Table Rock Mountain, in my estimate, uh, estimation, is certainly one of the wonders of the world. You should, If you've never seen pictures, you should Google up Table Rock Mountain and just look, get some panoramic views and, and know that I climbed that deal. And, uh, <clears throat> and I think even climbing a mountain like that is uh, a physical act you do, but, but it's done actually as a part of what it means to be on a further journey of discovery and pushing oneself and uh, exploring limits and that sort of thing. And then also, man, on this wonderful trip, I got to play some spectacular golf in some amazing places. Played this one course up in the Drakensberg Mountains, uh, I think called Champagne Resort, that does just a feast for the eyes of absolute beauty for uh, four and a half hours or so out there playing golf. Got to play the Durban Country Club, which is ranked as one of the top 100 golf courses in the world by those who rank golf courses and I know why it's beautiful and challenging and uh, I broke 90 I'm proud of that uh, but right alongside the Indian Ocean and uh, just an amazing experience I uh, got to spend a lot of time two whole days in a magnificent game reserve and Saw lions in the wild as close uh, to me personally as uh, something that would be like five yards away from me. This lion walked right past our Jeep. Our guide said, be still. I had no trouble honoring that uh, uh, leadership, and we were perfectly still as that lion walked by. And uh, it's, it's, it's a marvelous thing to be in the African bush and observing some of the most beautiful creatures of God's creation in their habitat. Uh, and it's, it's a sacred thing to be sure. Uh, also on this journey, in addition to just spending time with marvelous friends, I mentioned uh, Dudley and Karen Anderson, but these other friends of ours named Roger and Noel Graham, uh, we stayed in their home for two weeks, or if not in their home with them on a couple of journeys we took to the to the bush and to the mountains. And uh, believe it or not, two weeks' time with a couple, I don't think we uh, had one single fight. Uh, they, too, are friends that are amazing, that care deeply about their own journey of faith and have the gift of hospitality like no one I've ever met in my life. And hosted Janie and me in wonderful ways and, and helped us experience 
so many things that are just warm and wonderful and enriching about uh, the beautiful country of South Africa. And uh, while there, they made it possible for us to see some other friends, Skip and Sheila Collins, and uh, Skip and Sheila uh, are doing some marvelous things. Skip is a pastor of Nshlanga uh, Grace Church, and uh, he asked me to speak, share a little bit of my story about recovery, and I was able to do that, and and then later in the week, go see something that they're doing with a thing called the Baby House, and uh, where there's this massive problem of uh, orphans and an orphan. There's just a large number of orphans in South Africa. A lot of it due to parents dying young through AIDS and uh, other health challenges, and so they started this baby house and. Uh, Police will just call it when they've got an abandoned child or child, and, and they're, they're licensed to keep six. And one afternoon we went and spent about an hour just holding uh, these little babies that are so darling. These all happen to be uh, black children, uh, but you don't have to, no matter what color you are, if you're, <clears throat> pardon me, six, seven, eight months old, you're darling. And uh, these Children were amazing and uh, just so beautiful to see somebody taking their gifts and their skills and their property and their money and investing that in themselves into giving some children a life that wouldn't have one otherwise. And then uh, later that same day, we, we went out to a place called Live Village, which uh, I wish you would look it up online google up live village south africa or uh, maybe just live village.org i can't you can find it you're smart enough to find it and see what they're doing but uh, skip and sheila's son jordan uh uh i just got a text <laughs> that's why i paused from my man roger graham uh came across about probably watching the masters i guess this is serious golf uh but anyway, any rate, uh, back to Skip and Sheila and their son, Jordan, uh, who was born in South Africa and then uh, grew up and studied over in Tennessee, at, I think at Belmont, and uh, met his wife, uh, Bailey. And the two of them have moved back to work at this Live Village. It's an amazing concept, again, a concept to help deal with a major orphan problem there in South Africa. And they, this guy bought this farm and... Uh, they put this different housing up, and they have house mothers in each house, and the mothers can have their own children. And as well, they become a foster parent to uh, these little orphans. And they're and they're on this village. They have a school uh, from like pre-K all the way through uh, high school, and uh, have a lot of job training events. And then they raise a lot of their food and uh, raise food that they can market, and uh, so they learn life skills living skills, uh, there's a spiritual component to it, uh, just an amazing, amazing thing, and uh, it's all part of that further journey, and I so need to meet a young couple like uh, Jordan and Bailey and see how far ahead of the curve they are and their concerns for justice and, 
and uh, for wanting to invest their lives to make lives of other people meaningful. And, uh, and that's the second half of life living and being on the further journey. And Jordan and Bailey have gotten there early in life. And uh, it's a couple that uh, I hope you would get to know and even look at this thing on Live Village and see if you can learn enough about it to see if that might be something you'd like to invest yourself in. Uh, either financially or sometime take that long, further journey to South Africa yourself and, and uh, do some volunteer work. Uh, volunteer work and stuff like that would all be part of the further journey. But uh, back on our trip to South Africa, which was a part of it, but, man, it was, it was kind of neat to be there 21, 22 years after the advent of democracy in that country. When, when we lived there, uh, Nelson Mandela was released from prison, and then soon after we left, they had their first free election. He was elected president. Imagine that, 20-some-odd years in prison as a prisoner of a nation, and uh, and then to later have the kind of largesse of life and intellect and spirit to be elected as the president of a nation that at one time had jailed him. And to do so without any kind of rancor or bitterness. And to be the kind of world leader that uh, just made incredible impact on millions of people. And uh, if there ever was a person on the further journey, a great example would be uh, Mandiba. Or Madiba. Is that how they say it? Madiba. Uh, Nelson Mandela. I love that man. And uh, I've read a book or so of his and want to read more. But, but there's a classic living example in the political life of someone who was on a further journey. And, in fact, while we were in Cape Town, we got to go out to Robben Island and uh, do a tour of that island. And we stood outside the cell that he was held captive in for so many years and I tell you, I just had to have a uh, moment of silence. I, I'm of the persuasion now that pretty much any ground you're standing on is sacred ground, but something about being outside that jail cell of his and looking in there where he lived his life and was able to leave there without bitterness. And it just said to me, man, you are standing on some truly holy ground right now. And uh, I think being able to recognize some of those things and, and to see in leaders qualities of spirit is one way for us to get some ideas about what the further journey is really like. Another thing about on that most recent far journey of ours to South Africa was to be reminded of again of just the, the smells of other cultures. And uh, Durban, where we lived and where we visited there for a couple of weeks, is a wonderful town, so multicultural. And there's parts of the town where you see a heavy Muslim influence and uh, Asia Indian influence and uh, just the smells of the food, the curries and uh, different things that are cooking and just to see the hustle and the bustle of the way people are are just out there grinding away to try to make a life for themselves. 
uh, it's, it's just a marvel to be a part of and uh, to be a part of smelling things that smell different and eating foods that taste differently but yet are an expression of uh, people's loves and values is a grand experience. And uh, if you travel, and I know probably most of you do, you know how travel just stirs things inside of you. And, uh, and, and I think travel, literal travel from one culture to another, one state to another, one previously unknown place to another or to revisit a place that you once knew and now want to try to know again. Uh, I think that teaches you several lessons. And I think what they actually teach us, and one of the reasons we love travel is not just, you know, for the thrill of the vacation, but if we truly get the most benefit from, from travel, winds up being something that teaches us lesson about that further journey, that deeper journey, that something more that we long for. And uh, so in this second episode about the further journey, I got just uh, three or four things I'd share from our journey to South Africa that I think uh, are reminders of me or characteristics of the further journey. And, uh, and one is this, that, that my small piece of the world, you know, my place right here in Fayetteville, Arkansas, where I am right now at my kitchen table and my condo that's paid for and it's surrounded by things I love within a five mile radius of me is the, Razorback football stadium and basketball arena and bomb stadium where they play baseball. And I love everything Razorback. Uh, we've made that fully known. And uh, around my uh, piece of the world here is my family. Uh, I'm going to have two of my grandchildren uh, spend the night with me tonight. I'm going to have five of my grandchildren over for dinner. My other two grandchildren I got to see uh, earlier last week over in Franklin, Tennessee, just a mere eight-hour drive away. Uh, but then right around here in my small piece of the world is my faith community, Vintage Fellowship, which is growing with every passing week to mean so much to me. And then around me right now is, you know, my stuff, uh, my computer, my books, uh, my TV, I'm kind of keeping a casting eye right now over on the Masters every second or two, uh, uh, see what's going on. But, but I guess what I'm trying to say is my small piece of the world is important and meaningful and, and beautiful and all a part of the total packages, package that it is. That travel reminds me that my small piece of the world is uh, is not what the world really fully revolves around. Sometimes I get the confused notion that as important as I am, and I believe I'm important, I believe I'm 
child made in the image of God and uh, loved by God. And, and I think I'm pretty special me. And I feel the same way about you. But I guess all I'm trying to say is this. My small piece of the world is not the center of the world. The whole world does not revolve around me and my piece of real estate and my things that I love like family and the faith community and the Arkansas Razorbacks and my stuff. And that's one of the beautiful things that I was reminded of on this recent three-week journey to South Africa. And that is my world is not the center of the world. And I think you know that maybe you're at least on the beginning of the further journey when you come to that point in life where you can be reminded pretty routinely that it is not all about me. Travel has a way of humbling me. And what we all need, I certainly, maybe more than others, is to be humbled that it's not about me. And that's uh, the second thing uh, that I would say that I was reminded of on this recent journey of ours is that the vastness of things teaches me and inspires me and even in some sense overwhelms me in a good sort of overwhelmingness, if you will. Fastness. Just just to think for a few minutes about the vastness of geography. Our flight, our flights to and from South Africa, the combined flying time was like 36 hours. Uh, Actually, that was one way, so 72 hours. Spent six days of my life. No, that's not right. My math's wrong. 36 hours would be a day and a half. Three days of my life, you know, in an airplane 35 to 40,000 feet above the earth. And uh, of the 36 hours of travel, I've calculated probably about 30 of it was over ocean. 17,000 miles of ocean. And uh, when you start comparing the totality of the sizes of the oceans of the earth, and how I just covered one little sliver, airplane-sized sliver, for 17,000 miles, uh, you compare the vastness of the ocean that I covered to the vastness of the totality of the oceans on the earth. And you realize that as vast as that felt for me, 17,000 miles of ocean, we don't even begin to touch or cover all that there is in that vastness. And, and it kind of reminded me, as I'd look out, you know, the window of the plane, and, and where all you could see is forever, uh, that compared to the totality of 
the oceans of the earth. I was just covering a spoonful. And to think that I am a part of something that is so much larger than me, it sort of puts egomania to some degree in its place. And I think what I'm trying to say to you, my friends, is that the further journey begins to be characterized by an appreciation for vastness and for our part in that vastness. It's important part, a valuable part, to think that as vast as it is, we are still valuable to the God that is, to ultimate reality that is. It kind of softens one's egomania. I personally am comforted by that. I don't feel lessened or feel like I'm, you know, a nobody or a nothing. It just amazes me when I encounter vastness of how egomania dies, or at least starts kicking and screaming, and a sense of my worth feels like it's enhanced. Uh, man, South Africa uh, is also a place where you're going to encounter, in addition to the vastness of the world just getting there, and uh, the vast beauty of that country, and the vast diversity and so many, you know, encounters of vastness while you're even there. Uh, you also begin to see, like we sometimes maybe don't see as clearly in our country over here, as vast need. Uh, let's make no mistake, South Africa is a country that I simply love, and I can't fully comprehend why. There are a lot of reasons. Probably the chief among them is that during my four years there, I met and became friends with with a significant number of people who just have a view of living and a way of living that is so engaging. They somehow understand the importance and the value of just logging face-to-face unhurried, unrushed quality time with other human beings. Maybe that's from the British tea time or whatever. I don't know what it is, but it's a pace of life that encourages uh, meaningful relationships, which I think is a part of the further journey. But then I think I'd mentioned vast need. I I love the country. I love it dearly. Uh, But one of the things you will see in South Africa, which is not really third world, it's more of a combination of first world and third world, maybe we call it on average second world, but you see a lot of needs. Uh, The contrasts over there may uh, appear more vivid than they do in most of the places where I go when I'm here in the United States. And by that I mean I'm talking about the the differences between the haves and the have-nots. And we sure got them here, no question about it. You can go to areas of great poverty and lack and um, 
unemployment, and and you can see in about any town, even where I live, I, I about avail myself more of it. I could put my eyes on more human need and poverty, and I need to do that. But it seems like you cannot ignore it. You can't take your eyes off of it when you're in South Africa. Uh, I was kind of shocked when uh, Roger Knoll picked us up at the brand-new fancy airport way out north of town, and when we were driving back into town, we drove by this highway that went right beside one of the golf courses I used to love to play, uh, a public course uh, named Papua Sigolum. It's kind of in an Indian area, or what they formerly called an Indian area. They don't really have areas like that now that apartheid is over, but it's still predominantly uh, inhabited by Indian people, certainly multiracial, multicultural. But, but just across the road from where I used to play golf, uh, was a road that went up this beautiful hillside of a mountainside, really, to uh, a campus that I worked on. I was there called the University of Durban-Westville. And I was shocked to see, as we drove by on the highway, uh, a familiar piece of land to me that was just mountainous and uh, and maybe a few houses that it was just all of a sudden now in the last 20-some-odd years totally inhabited by uh, shacks and uh, what they call a maybe a squatter community where people who were homeless or leaving uh, the rural areas to come to the city in search of some kind of work or something, uh, and, they, and they can't get any land, they don't have any money, and, and they're coming so fast and there's so much unemployment that these uh, squatter settlements are developed all over. And... Uh, one of the things, though, that I, there were squatter settlements when I was there before, but what, what appears to me different now under a more democratic society, which still has got a lot of room for growth, is at least they're trying to provide some services of some, you know, kind out there, even with, with some what we call port-a-potty setups or, or some water and, and even I saw electrical lines and, oddly enough, even some some uh, TV antennas in, uh, in what is just a shack community. And uh, one cannot help but, but see that sort of thing. Like I say, we, we see scant glimpses uh, of something similar to this maybe when we come up on a uh, homeless camp. The other night uh, here in Fayetteville, Jane and I were walking on one of the trails, and I had to uh, relieve myself. And uh, so I stepped off into the woods, and, and dang it, I didn't step into a, a homeless camp. And uh, where there was probably maybe 20 or 30 homeless guys, you know, they just set up some sort of makeshift tents. And I promise you, those makeshift tents and even the squalor that was around this homeless camp uh, looked fancy compared to what I'm trying to describe to you of what I saw in South Africa. And I don't say that to try to make South Africa look bad. I'm just saying that that as you encounter vast need while traveling, uh, it does something to you. Uh, it's like poverty on steroids. And I think you cannot see that and ignore that and not begin to thinking, what ways, if any, could I be used as a mustard seed to try to help some 
one person be relieved of of their misery or to get some hope for uh, a better life or lifestyle. And uh, I don't have any Messiah complex to think, well, I could be the guy to change all that. I can't be. But I do know that part of being on the further journey is that your eyes begin to get opened to harsh realities. And hopefully what you would do is just say, surely, somehow, some way, with my many gifts, which are financial or opportunity or intellectual or something, there's some way, somehow, I could be used to help make a difference in somebody's life. And uh, and I am doing some concrete things. Maybe we'll talk about some of those in later episodes. But I don't want to you know, be braggadocious or anything like that. But uh, I'm doing some stuff. Uh, and I do it on a monthly basis to try to relieve suffering for someone, somewhere. And I think that's a part of the further journey. Eyes open to harsher realities. And we start asking, what could I do to be a part of that? And, uh, and ask further questions, hard questions. Questions like, does being a Christ follower urge on me a sense of holy obligation to live more generously towards someone who's in need? How can I, how should I channel my gifts, my resources, my connections, my insights, my opportunities to help somebody else? And that's further journey living. That's not about trying to define who's in, who's out, who's got the right beliefs, who's got the wrong beliefs, who's liberal, who's conservative, who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. That's first half of life stuff. Second half of life, the further journey life is, what, pray tell, can I do with the balance of my days to help somebody else? That's the further journey. The further journey, it's not all about cool drinks on a fabulous beach, which I think is a part of the further journey. I think we all need if we possibly can, to go to Cancun and sit on the beach and relax and read, enjoy the beauty of the surf, or as we were fortunate enough to do recently, to be on the Indian Ocean and see massive waves. And, and I mean, we went to this one church where on the front door of the church in the foyer, you stand there drinking coffee, looking out at the Indian Ocean with... Waves that surfers just die to be on. And you're overwhelmed with the beauty of God's earth. And and part of the further journey is to be able to experience the vastness of God's beautiful creation. And enjoy cool drinks on a fabulous beach. But it's also about the vastness of human pain and world pain. And 
beginning to ask questions. Well, why not me? Why not us? Why not the people I hang with? Think of creative ways to be persons whose lives contribute to the help of someone else's life. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the further journey. I mentioned to you in the last episode about 20 or 30 books I've read that I think have something to do uh, with describing life and the second half of life journey as a a further journey and just using that metaphor. And so uh, this would then conclude what I want to say today on episode two. And we'll pick up again here in another week or so with um, some more characteristics of the further journey. I hope this has kind of stimulated your appetite, caused you to want to think about your journey in life and and the transition points. That's, in fact, another whole session we'll do is on what are some of the triggers or transition points or the things that happen in life that catapult us onto the further journey and what are the kinds of things that happen in our lives that are waypoints into even further parts of the further journey. I hope you're interested in all this and we'll listen uh, to what comes up next, which I hope to have to you in less than a week. Meanwhile, thanks again so much for taking the time to uh, listen to my podcast. And actually, one thing I really definitely will close with this. Uh, in an up-and-coming podcast, I'm going to do a podcast called Podcasts You Should Be Listening To as opposed to this one because there are some good ones out there. And I want to introduce you to some of the wonderful stuff that is kind of feeding me on my further journey. And if it meant you have to choose them over me, I give you my blessing to do that. Meanwhile, God bless. All the best. Take another step today on the further journey. Much love and peace.